It's been a great journey the last six years with you guys. Been able to meet some great men and women, not only in this organization, but you all out there. We got the greatest fans in the world. Nothing better than uh, Philadelphia, Atlanta, Chicago, and then down in Dallas. Hear that go pack, go chain at the end of the game. We love you guys. It's been a great journey this year. A lot of ups and downs. You guys believed in us. I got to thank Ted Thompson, Mark Murphy, Mike McCarthy for putting this thing together, guiding us, believing us. My teammates, just incredible job they did. We added guys to the mix. We lost guys to the IR. Those guys are so important to us. We brought in guys who were hungry, who wanted to play and contribute. A lot of guys stepped up. And, and believe in each other. This is a great group of men. A lot of, a lot of chemistry, a lot of high character in that locker room. And we did it together. And we brought that title back home, baby. We love you. Thank you. Good night. So why did I show that? Well, okay. First of all, we live in Green Bay. Duh. Uh, second of all, what I noticed about Aaron Rodgers in, in, that, in that moment, first of all, I saw thousands upon thousands of people uh, braving ridiculously cold elements to go and celebrate a title as they brought it back to title town. What's interesting about Aaron Rodgers throughout that whole thing, if you notice, he started crediting this person, that person, and it, and it all became about the team. Uh, what's interesting is I covered the Packers for years, and they always talked about the Packer way. And part of that is... Every team always wants to win the Super Bowl. Everybody talks about that, the processes. Everybody's got scouts. Everybody has game plans. They all study film. So that what's that one degree difference? What's that one thing? And over and over and over again, anybody I've ever covered, any team over the years, and I did that for 15 years, covered the Cowboys, boo, covered the, uh, covered the Vikings, boo, and I covered the Green Bay Packers, yay. Uh, in, in all of that, uh, the one thing I noticed, every one of them, they all said chemistry, chemistry. There's something about that. Here, here's the thing. What if uh, the scout who mailed it in the day he was watching Aaron Rodgers practice just decided to mail it in that day? Maybe Ted Thompson would not have pulled the trigger on draft day. Are you getting this? What if they had mailed it in when they're scouting film? What if Aaron Rodgers said, you know what? I don't need to cover the Bears defense. I don't need to worry about the Bears defense. I've seen them before. But what I'm trying to say is, is that organizationally, Everybody has a part to play. Everybody's important. From the PR staff who promotes the team to the trainers who, what they do with an injury, all of that is important. And this is exactly how the local church should be. And here's the thing. In the Packers, when we all celebrated and we go, yay, they won the Super Bowl, how many of you actually played? In the media, we used to joke when people were in the, the TV station, when they would score, and, and people in the media would go, we scored. And I said, did you throw that pass? But the point being is, is that we can celebrate in the joy, but how many understand that only a few got the ring? The ones that were in the arena, the ones that were part of an organization. All the rest of us, we were spectators. I'll let that one marinate for just a second. Just a second. Now, the point being is it was fun to celebrate that, but I think God has a larger vision for his church. I think he's looking for participators, not spectators. I think he's looking for people to invest in his church, not take from his church. Can I get an amen? 
Uh, the, this sermon, in, in some ways, there's going to be some, well, you might laugh, you may cry, you may come to tears, but we're going to show you very clearly in Scripture uh, how God wants to position our church, and not only our church, but the church of Jesus Christ. As I looked at uh, some of the athletes over the years, and I covered some interesting ones, uh, there's some that were, they were just me guys. Uh, you know, show me some me. I love me some me. It's all about me. They made great headlines. We salivated over their quotes, could not wait to take it back to the station. And they made great headlines in the 10 o'clock news, and they were all over Sports Center. but they made absolutely lousy teammates. And then, you know, back door, you get back around and say, oh, yeah, he's just a jerk. You know, uh, the point being is, is that is that that person as that they would talk about that particular type of person is it's a me first person. It's a taker and it's a cancer, a cancer to an organization. And, and I believe God wants all of us to understand that he wants to take the cancers out of our lives, because here's the reality. When we all look at that person and go, yeah, he's me first person. Is there anybody in this room who's never had a moment where you've been a taker? So what God wants to do is extract some of that stuff and get us in position to win. Say, I want to win. Well, the church. There's a lot of talk about the local church. And here's the question I want to ask you. What's the big deal about the local church? Why the local church? Why can't I just park my you-know-what and watch Joel Osteen on Sunday mornings? Why can't I be a TV Christian? Why can't I watch TV Jakes and get fed? I'm so glad you asked that question. Why did I come to church today? Why did I get out of bed after a really bad badger loss and I'm in mourning today? Why did I come to church today to hear this guy in the red shirt spew at me? Why? Because you get it. You understand that there's something about being with other people physically that changes things, that, that uplifts you. Perhaps it's not something I say, but perhaps it's something in the, somebody says in the lobby. There's something, an encouraging word. We were born to do life together as a church. So if I'm an enemy of God and I died for the church, if I'm Jesus and I died for the church, would you say it's a big deal for him? So we make it a big deal too. And that's why I want to contend for the local church today. It's absolutely crucial uh, what is the church? It's not a building. It's the people. And one of the things that I think that we need to move as a church, we need to say this over and over again. I don't go to church. We are the church. It's not something you, you do. It's who you are. We're something larger. And, and yes, there's things that we do to help advance the, the cause of Christ. There's no doubt. But here's the priority. I think every Christian needs to hear God first, family and your local church. And again, that's not to marginalize listening to great gospel preachers. I'm not saying that, but there's a, there's an, a collective accountability that I'm going to speak to when we read the book of Joshua. I'm going to show this to you in Scripture. But there's something about being together and doing life together, the good, the bad, and the absolute ugly, that together... It makes us stronger. And in fact, God actually designed that way. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Joshua chapter 1. Otherwise, we can put it on the screen. And it's interesting, as our church is moving into a new building, it's funny, I believe God is moving us kind of like Joshua was on the position of crossing the Jordan, and he'd been mentored under Moses for years, and now it's time to take the promised land. Uh, Joshua had Moses, and I had Arnie. 
and, uh, and, and, and Joshua had Moses and Moses died, but Arnie just moved to Utah and, and, and that's actually heaven for him. So, it, uh, you know, so we're in this transition and I just felt, you know, God spoke to my spirit and said, tell him we're on the move. And to come closer to our church. Last week we got in position. I said, you know what? We need to get closer to God. We gave you these God time cards. Uh, I gave to you what we do with our kids. We give them God time cards. And we invest in our kids. And God wants to position us. So first, let's, let's move closer to him. And now I contend, let's move closer as a church. And it's not just about doing things. It's about being the church and being together. It's... Hugely, hugely important in prioritizing that. So Joshua chapter 1, I kind of gave you the context, verse 10. And then Joshua commanded the officers of Israel, go through the camp and tell the people to get their provisions ready. In three days you will cross the Jordan River and take possession of the land the Lord your God is giving you. Now think about this. Imagine a promise God has spoken to you. You know it, it's in there. You're right on the verge of that, but there's a preparation and a season. And God's saying it's right there. But you've got some work to do. You've got to get in position. Think about that. Verse 12, then Joshua called together the tribes of Reuben, Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh. And he told them, remember what Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you? The Lord your God is giving you a place of rest. He's given you this land, your wives, children, livestock. They may remain here in the land. Moses assigned you on the east side of the Jordan. But your strong warriors, fully armed, must lead the other tribes across the Jordan to help them conquer their territory. Stay with them until the Lord gives them rest, as he has given you rest until they too possess the land your Lord, your God, is giving them. Now that verse, as I, as I read that, speaks to what I would call the strong believer. You're the person who has been given rest. You've had victories. God has given you a promised land after promised land. But you've got a brother and sister who's hemorrhaging, and they're not in their promised land. And God's saying, I want to take what I have put in you and I want you to join up with them because here's the truth that I want to speak to you. United together, you will destroy the work of the enemy on either side. If I let down the flank for my brother, I'm eventually going to get tacked on that flank. You understand? So uh, we need to go across the Jordan and take the promised land. I believe this is what life church should be. I believe that uh, there's, there's something that God always says to me over and over and over again, and it's very simple. Ryan, it's not about you. It's not about you. Yeah, but Lord, no, it's not about you. It's about me. That's what Jesus is saying to me. He's saying that to you. He's saying, it's about me. And I want you to lay down your agendas, your personal uh, vendettas towards people, your unforgiveness, your baggage, your, your, your hurts with me personally. I want you to lay that down and get in position. I want you to come closer to me, and then I want you to come closer to my church. In John chapter 15, Jesus talks about being a part of the vine. And you know, people talk about, I love Jesus, but I don't like the church. Well, here's the thing. If Jesus is the head and we are his body, can the body operate from the head, separated? So if you don't love the body, what is that saying? You don't love him. And apart from the body, you can do absolutely nothing of substantive and eternal value. And I would also argue that your life, as you'll see this in Scripture too, there's a wilderness for your life and there's a promised land. And what I want you to get in position is, is that instead of subsiding in the wilderness, I want you to flourish in your promised land. I believe God has a great plan for everybody. 
I believe it's our choice to get in position and say yes. Now, here's a humorous thing that I think God concocted. It's just kind of fun, and it's because my, my uh, sense of humor is what it is. But I imagine this is what Moses dealt with, with the excuse makers in, in the wilderness. So I'm just going to read this off my new iPad. Moses, at that last tent meeting, I felt that your sermon was not deep enough. Moses, all you want is my money. All you talk about in the law is tithe, 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 tithe this, tithe that. Moses, Sister Susie and Pastor Pillow and the Reverend Sheets and all that, they, they hurt me at the last tent meeting. I think I'll stay home and watch Joel Osteen. <laughs> Moses, I've served with the babies back in the Tabernacle Twos back there. They're nuts. I've paid my dues. Find somebody else. Moses... You need to go heavier on the Torah, really blast them about serving, but then I'll just stay back and watch everybody else do the work because I paid my dues. Moses, thanks for leading us out of Egypt where, you've been, where we were beaten in slaves, but I'm curious, where's your theology degree? Moses, <laughs> the tabernacle just is not meeting my needs. And about the food, Moses... We've had sliced manna, broiled manna, fried manna, and blackened manna, and we are sick of it. Throw some quail in, please. And on and on and on and on and on. And, okay, so I was being a little hard. But you know what? I mean, really, that's where, and if we're all honest, we've all been there. There isn't a per- and, and this is the other thing. I don't want to marginalize well-meaning people, including myself. I've had seasons where I can't give anymore. I'm done. I'm tapped. Somebody else needs to shoulder the load. And what God is saying, Reuben, Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh, get up out there and help your brother and the rest of us. Let's take the land. Everybody is important. Say that. Everybody is important. When I hear people burn out, I hear two things. One, they really are doing too much. Two, they're not prioritizing much. And three, somebody isn't covering their brother's back. And that's where a lot of hurts come from in the church. But I will say this. If being hurt in church is an excuse not to come to church, I would not be here today preaching this message. I have awesome opportunities to take offense on a weekly basis if I allow it. But what God has done for me, he's given me great grace. He realizes, and I realize, that on that cross, he died for my unforgiveness, for that person who hit me, for that person who hurt me, for that person who marginalized me, doesn't understand me. Are you getting this? That's how compassionate our Lord is. And by the way, our Lord served. So we can serve. I want you to get in position with this. This isn't another, okay, the importance of church attendance sermon or I need to serve. I want this to be a revelation in your spirit. I want this to be a game changer for the rest of your life. I want you to look at church and not saying, gosh, I hope I go to that church and never get hurt again. Understand, you will. Jesus said offenses will come. How you handle that is the key to your spiritual formation. How you handle that with a local body is the key to your spiritual formation. Here's what a Joshua generation says. Joshua, I know there's a need for the teachers and the fours and fives. I may not know everything, but I've got that flank. I wrote some of these. Joshua, here's here's my tithe for God. 
Uh, here's an arsenal of homemade spears, chariots, and two 70-inch flat screens for Life Church. Uh, Joshua, I'll cover the second service at Tabernacle, and I'll tape the Packers on DVR. You can do that, you know. 10.30, folks. We'll be out at 11.40, just so you know. If you're 20 minutes away, there's a DVR. Press it. Joshua, I got hurt by those fellows in the other tribe church, but I'll give you a fair shake. Joshua, I'm busy, but I value serving and coaching kids and Catalyst on Wednesday nights. Come on, send your kids. Raise up a Joshua generation. So if I have to dump one of the 50 clubs and memberships that I'm organized and involved in, and maybe I'll do it for my church first. The Bible says Christ is the head, we are his body. Everybody's important. Let's go back to Joshua 1. Joshua 1, verse 16. Then they, being the children of Israel, answered Joshua, whatever you have commanded us, we will do, and wherever you send us, we will go. How's that going to fly in America? (laughs) Yeah, right. In my dreams. And why do you laugh? Because you know that's just not true. It's not true here. It's just absolutely not true. And here's why. I don't trust my pastor. And I would say, why do you go there? I don't trust the body. Then don't go. Go fishing. I don't trust God. Now you're being honest. And that's where I want people to be honest is you, your life, you cannot separate what you do and what you believe. What you believe will come out what you do. And what you do is a function of who you know. It's not your works first. God changes hearts. He gets you in position and then your works follow. And so now when I preach a message like this, it's not, oh, he's condemning me. It's not condemnation. It's conviction. Do you know the difference? He's starting to... To, to, to tug at some hearts here. And I know this, that I don't want people to overdo things. I, I said this very clearly. God first, family second, your job's important, all that's important. What I'm talking about, though, is there is a, there is a uh, momentous effort right now to keep people out of church in the local church. I mean, there's like organized efforts that no, don't go there, just stay at home. You know, you don't need any accountability at all. None, just, just stay at home. And people actually think that that's spiritual. Now, we're on a journey, but how many understand there's a difference between subsiding on manna and quail and eating the the plums and grapes of the promised land? There's a huge difference. And part of the body is being a part of the body and, and entering that promised land. All right, so I, I realize this too, and we're going we're gonna to move on to Joshua 3, but... I realize there have been many egregious excesses in the pulpits today. I get it. I get it. I've been mad at some. Totally get it. But trust is something. Here's what I'm not going to do. I'm not going to apologize for mistakes I never made. I'm going to ask you to trust our leadership. I know that's revolutionary. But can you imagine, can you imagine Joshua and all the people, think about this, they're no different than you. They had marital issues, they had family issues, some of them may have been in credit card debt, I don't know if they had credit cards back then, but they had all kinds of excuses. And what did they say? We're going to go. Here's how they got in position, though. Joshua chapter 3, verse 15. Now the Jordan is at flood stage all during harvest. Yet as soon as the priests who carried the ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, the water from upstream stopped flowing. It piled up in a heap, a great 
distance away. This is unbelievable. What happens is, is that the water literally, it flood stages, the, it's the worst time of year. The priests go in, they hit the water, the water goes up. It was an exact duplication of the parting of the Red Sea. Now, remember, the ones that saw the Red Sea, anyone over 20 who was a child of God, who was the children of Israel, anyone over 20, they were all the complainers. They didn't get to see the second miracle because they all died in the wilderness. They got to see great stuff, minus two, Joshua and Caleb. This new generation is going in, and they're seeing another miracle, the parting of the Red Sea and the parting of, of, of the Jordan River. And, and, and this isn't even close to what God's about to do next. But they, they step on the water, it comes out, and what Joshua is trying to get his people to see is, I want you in position for God-sized miraculous outcomes. How many want a God-sized miraculous outcome? How many want to stay on the other side of the Jordan where there are no miracles and exist just on basically getting by? You know, you know what I see this today? You are destined for greatness, but we are so marginalized by our hurts, resentments, and attitudes towards pulpits and politicians, we can't receive. We're not even willing to take a step across the Jordan. But we're going to change that. Amen? This church is going to be a part of that. Man, I see this. Every time I talk about this, I see it. There's going to be a revolution in this city. Status quo is dead. And here's the thing. We're fed up with our political system. We're fed up with our way of life. We know we have to change. And guys, we are ripe for it. Let's take it. Let's take it. But it's going to mean positioning. And it's going to mean that you're going to have to submit to some people that you don't want to. But Pastor Ryan, you're going to have to submit to flawed leaders. How many of you aren't flawed? Joshua 5, verse 2. At the time, the Lord said to Joshua, make flint knives and circumcise the Israelites again. So Joshua, now get this, made flint knives and circumcised the Israelites at Gibeath Haraloth. Why did I just throw that in there? First of all, I, don't, I have a hard time pronouncing that. Second of all, Gibeath Haraloth literally means hill of foreskins. And I'm going to throw another one your way. They weren't just the babies that were circumcised. I see the men squirming. Now think about this. Do you think in your right mind, guys, you would allow a pastor or a leader to come anywhere near you with a flint knife in that direction? Some of you have a visual. I'm camping on that because I want you to understand they were ready. They were fed up with the old way that they were willing. This was God's circumcision was a sign of the covenant. It was saying we are God's chosen people. We're going to do painful things. And here's what I want to say. Guys, let's leave that stuff at the hill of foreskins. Let's leave that stuff that needs to be shaved. God's looking for circumcised hearts. In the New Testament, it's a new day. It's a new covenant. Jesus is saying, I want to take all of that leftover stuff. You leave it behind. You walk in the promised land. You rise up. You come up here. I'm going to give you a promised land, something so great, but you're going to have to leave it behind and you're going to have to trust my leaders to help you get there. 
let it go. And those things that represent what God was trying to do is purify his people. The greatest miracle hadn't even happened yet. And they've already had some really cool things happen. And I'm saying, church, you're saying, where's the miracles? And I'm saying, where's your God? I'm saying, where is your trust? I'm saying, where is your obedience? I'm a huge grace guy. I'm a 15th chance, love them up till six ways to Sunday. Oh, that's okay. We'll do better again. But you know, when I changed was when I stopped making excuses. You see, any, anybody can sit at home and blame God's people for this and that hurt. That's easy. Anybody can do that. It takes guts to let somebody come with a flint knife and circumcise your heart. And so... God's saying, I want to move you into a new place. But the point of that is, and, and there's a humorous side to that. It says they had to sit around and heal for a little while. So, so sometimes when there's that pruning and that shaping and that uh, rethinking old bad mindsets that we have to leave at the hill of Gilbeoth or whatever, however it's pronounced, when we have to leave that there, there's a healing process that God wants to, to take you through, and it's not always easy. It could be in, in many ways, uh, old mindsets, condemnation, bad decisions. Uh, some of you need to leave some of your, your condemnation. You're beating yourself up unmercifully. I believe that's a serious problem in, 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 in the body of Christ today. We beat each other up unmercifully, and then, and then we beat ourselves up even worse. I find people are easier to forgive other people than they are themselves. That's something you need to leave on the other side of the Jordan. Man, you're God's chosen people. Say, I'm chosen. That doesn't, you know, here's the thing. We should be as excited as the Packers were cheering on the Super Bowl. Do you realize you've been already given the title? Get in the game and be excited about that you're chosen. Say, I'm chosen. I may lose my voice screaming this, but you're going to believe this before you leave. You're chosen. God is calling you out. Joshua 5, verse 11. The day after the Passover, that very day, they ate some of the produce of the land, unleavened bread and roasted grain. The manna stopped the day after they ate this food from the land. There was no longer any manna for the Israelites, but that year they ate the produce of Canaan. So they've now moved over, and now the manna and the quail stops as soon as they cross the Jordan. So some of you may be moving and in transition in your lives financially. We've been through a lot as a country. Perhaps, man, it just seems like it's paycheck to paycheck. God, how are you doing that? And God shows up miraculously and he does things and God uses his church. But how many understand that God doesn't want you to just get by until the sweet by and by? This is a revelation for some of you. Understand that. You've been hurting and hemorrhaging and God is going to miraculously deal with that situation, but God has a promised land. He's got grapes and honey and things. And, and I'm going to tell you, how many of you really believe that? Now, let's be honest. I don't see all the hands up. You know what? Permission to not believe that, but understand that God, you come here long enough, you will begin to believe that. Because I believe that God has, I've seen people get, we've had testimonies of people getting healed here. I've heard people with their financial pictures change. They begin to believe. But understand, if you go home and just sit at home and watch Joel Osteen or T.D. Jakes by yourself, you've got no one else encouraging who's right there when the chips are down who can help you and minister to you. That's where a church really shines. 
and I can't do it. My job is to equip you to do it. Amen? I want to equip our kids. They're a chosen generation. The lack of Bible knowledge in this generation is unprecedented. Who's Samson? Who's Moses? David, is he the guy that took out the Goliath guy? That's where we're at, folks. That's got to change. They barely know Jesus. They know a religious Jesus. They don't know him personally. We're going to change that this week. We're going to change that every week. We're going to change that as a church. And again, as I talked about manna and quail, wherever that, that, that place of lack, where that place of God does supernaturally supply the manna and the quail, there's a place of lack. He'll meet your needs if you're his kid. But what I'm trying to tell you is God throughout the Bible, how many understand he's a God of multiplication? All throughout the Bible, if you study it, what you harvest, you will reap. You will, you, starts or what you sow, you will reap all throughout the Bible. And, and the beautiful thing about Jesus and unmerited favor that he gave us on the cross is, is that we didn't deserve heaven and healing and being the head and not the tail. We didn't deserve that. So we reap something that Jesus sowed. And now all he's asking us is to get into spiritual formation and follow his lead. How many want better outcomes every day? How about when, the, when the, the trials of life and the stresses of life come, which they will come, how many want that power to deal with that? When, when the arguments and the heat is on, when, when the boss is screaming at you and you don't know what to do and you're about to lock down, when you get a, a diagnosis that says you will not live, you've got six days, when, when the financial pressure and the creditors come. See, that's where America is, guys. And, and here's the thing. We have spent a generation marginalizing the Lord, playing church. And what God's Spirit is saying, you're done. My time now. Come to me, all you who are weary, and I will give you rest. Now enter it. But it's a choice. You have to link up with his local church. This, I refuse to coerce anybody. If nobody showed up, in the kids and twos and threes, I told Lori I'd go back there. And Hope's a great preacher. She can preach. I'll go back there and rock babies. I used to do it. I actually like it. It's not something I want to do all the time. But you do what you need to do for the corporate anointing. And here's the thing. Uh, when God is talking to you about a plan for your life, you can't overstep the little things along the way to the promised land. You can't overlook the little steps and the prunings along the way. Everybody wants to be the big kahuna. Not everybody wants to be the one who does the little things to get there in anything. I found this to be true. We all celebrate, oh, that person did great and the steps to success and look at Aaron Rodgers. But you know what? Think of the conversations he had to walk through on his way to becoming the best quarterback in the NFL. Amen. And think of the stress and think of the, the media and the microphones always trying to get and baiting him. How do I know this? I worked it for 15 years. You, don't, you ask a question and they ask it another way. They ask it another way. Really, what do you think about Brett Favre? Really? What I admire about his approach is that he never took the bait. And he realized that he was a part of something larger than himself. Team, 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 team. 
I so want this for you guys. If I'm coming across hard on this, it's because I know it works, guys. I know it works. I've seen the flip side of this. But I also, what breaks my heart is that I get people on the other side of counseling. They come to church three, four times a year. Ryan, fix me. It's been a lifetime of problems, and I need you to fix me in five minutes. I need you to fix me. How do you do that? I can't. I don't have that power. I can't. What I can say is, is that God has a plan. He loves you no matter how much you've screwed up, no matter how much you've done. Jesus, come just as I am. Come just as you are. He loves you just as you are. But here's the deal, folks. He doesn't want you to stay that way. Get in position and cross into your promised land. I love what Joshua said. They crossed into the promised land. They got in position. And all the warriors of Reuben, Gad, Manasseh, that half tribe, they're ready for war. Man, they know that they've got their brother's flank. They're going around Jericho, and they're ready to launch those spears. And all of a sudden, God says, halt, just praise, and watch, what, watch me do it. And so they marched around and got not one person got hurt. Now, that's power. That's the kind of power, the church. But see, we read those stories and we don't insert ourselves into those stories because you really, we come, we play church, but we really don't think God can do that. But I've watched God, I've watched God heal people. I've watched God turn an alcoholic, drunk, porn addict into a preacher. I've watched people do all kinds of ridiculous things for Christ, but they got in position and they got a part of their local church. God is no respecter of persons. Jesus was at the Jordan, and he's here right now. And when you lift up the name of Jesus and what he's done for us on the cross, when you celebrate the finished work, it's fun to preach the good news. Good news isn't just going to heaven. Good news is right now. We're a part of the everlasting covenant right now when we receive him by faith. And here's what Joshua said as I close. He says, so I gave you a land, Joshua 24, verse 13. So I gave you a land on which you did not toil and cities you did not build and you live in them and eat from vineyards and olive groves, not manna, that you did not plant. Now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods your ancestors worshiped beyond the Euphrates and in Egypt and serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Forget not all of his benefits. You know, I think the Lord has been given a bad PR job over the years. How many understand he's good all the time? But we create these doctrines that when the chips are down, God's teaching me something and he's going to put this on me. But he doesn't do that. He's the deliverer. He's not the oppressor. Can God teach you something through it? Absolutely. <laughs> what I've found with the Lord is that he's not, if plan A doesn't work, there's plan B. Then if plan B doesn't work, there's plan C, all the way to Z. He will take our mess and make a message. He'll take your test and make a testimony. He'll take a people that weren't his people and call them his people and do miraculous things. If Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever, what he did back then, he'll do for you. I don't care what the politicians are saying in Washington. You're the winner. You're the head. But here's, the, here's what I envision for Green Bay. And the Lord kind of talked to me about this. Give a specific vision how you see this thing shaking out. 
give, contend for what you see. And here's what I see. I see a church getting in position, not just this church, other churches. I believe for every three churches that are closing up shop, and they are in America, one, only one is being established while three are closing. I actually believe God is letting those churches die to raise up a new church that will honor his word and his spirit and that will preach radical grace for a people that want to press into the promised land, that want to spread the gospel, that want to be a part of something larger than himself. You'll say, Ryan, they've been playing church for years. They've been doing church for years. I'm just saying, America, wake up. We have not done it right in the last 30 years. Look around. I don't want to talk about the problem. I want to talk about our solution. I want you to envision a Green Bay where the churches are so strong and the pastors, flawed as they are, are backed by the people so strong that if one falls, there's eight other churches to pick up the slack. That the church isn't the pastor, the church is Jesus Christ. I want to envision a, a, a city that instead of relies on secular humanistic thinking to make change, how about we become a people of faith and create initiatives to minister to the poor, to minister to the oppressed. And when I say poor, I don't mean just physical poverty. I mean your neighbor. I mean your boss. I think there's, this is ripe. I mean, I mean, everybody's talking doom and gloom and I'm going, thank you, Jesus, man. Promised land's right here. We've got a church here that, that, can, that can lead the charge. And it's a trust issue. I believe that churches have been marginalized for years. And, and I used to be one of these. Well, the church doesn't do enough for the community at large. And that's because no one gives to the church. But they don't give to the church because they're offended with the church. Let's change. Now, you guys give. We're moving into a new place. Offense has devastated us, folks. I'm not being hard. I'm being real. It has devastated, crippled anybody. It, anybody can keep an offense. It takes guts to overlook a multitude of sins. Have some guts and chant, go into the promised land and take a city for God. I won't do it perfectly. I won't make every uh, perfect decision. But, you know, there's a reason that God said to Joshua three times, be strong, be strong, be strong. As he's about to enter the promised land and walk out into a new anointing. Moses is gone. He said it three times, be strong and courageous. This is a message for each of you. Be strong and courageous when, when the economy does what it does. Be strong and courageous in that hour. Uh, perhaps there's family infighting. Be strong and courageous. It takes flawed people to make up God's church because we're all flawed. But I refuse to say that we always have to do what we've always done because we'll get what we've always gotten. I believe somebody has to say we can change and you are this generation to do it. Now do it. In Jesus' name.